sunny but underneath the surface lies a dark world behind your safe little havens that y'all call home beneath the surface there's an evil that festers and grows where the american dream goes dark this is the literary license podcast america goes dark episode your book to screen show where we head down a dark alley and discover the books the films and all the darkness in between with your co-host Leandro Gazi, Craig Johnson, David Grant, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago. Things may look perfect on the outside, but what really goes on behind closed doors? Literature Lessons Podcast and this book the screen, America Goes Dark. We'll be covering the book and watching the film. And this month we're covering Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn and the film by David Fincher. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Craig Johnson with us. Hello, Craig. Hello from East Finchley. Hello. We got Leandro Gazzi with us. Hello, Leandro. Hello. How are you? And I'm Keith Shago. Vicky Ray's not here because she decided to play grandmother because when you're 95 years old, it's important to love your grandchildren. And of course, David's not here because he decided to watch fireworks while it's pissing outside. So we'll see how that goes for him. So before we get started, let's find out where we've been or what we've been up to, starting with you, Leandro. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh, well, not much. Um, watching movies, reading um uh working two jobs that I have. Um, um, well, I have an allotment, but I haven't been much because the weather here has been horrible. Um, and yes, still celebrating that I passed my driving uh, test. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. What about yourself, Craig? What have you been up to? Um, just working and um, I've been watching the 100 years of the BBC special of Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor. 
it was a really good episode um i've been reading a lot of the uh, for our podcast so i've been reading gone girl um we have always lived in the castle and we really need to talk about kevin so that's that's what i've been doing and um yeah and looking after my mum. my mum's pretty sick at the moment so i've been just um helping her out and stuff and um i got promoted at work as well which is hey. bonus yeah yeah, so yeah, I start in December, the new role. Excellent. So you will be a boss? Uh, it's working at the head office in repairs and the maintenance side of stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be a big change, but you're really excited about it. Do we have to call you sir? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> your highness. He wants to call your highness. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, with myself, not a lot's been going on. Um, Halloween came, had a little bit of trick-or-treaters, not as many as we did, but I think that has to do with the weather this year. Um, but, um, watch Terrifier 2, which is very, very good. Very, very gory. Very, very sick. And apparently it's going to be up for an Oscar. Go figure. Oh, an Oscar. Yeah. It's very good. I, I highly recommend it, it's, but it's, it's sick. It's a sick, <laughs> sick little film. Two hours of gore, but it's very, you know. What's better, part one or two? I think you need both parts because they do carry on with each other. So, you know. Okay. And um, you do find a little bit more about art, but I hope they don't do an origin story because I hate origin stories in horror. You know, you know, I don't care where, Jay, you know, I really don't need to know Michael Back's, you know, backstory or Freddy Krueger's or I don't mind knowing bits and pieces, but I don't need a whole explanation of it. So... But besides that, just been watching, I got Discovery Plus now through Sky, which has come through with our Sky package. So I've been watching a lot of um, real life programming. So I watched one about house, hell houses, houses that were born evil, where you know, every time someone moves in, they die, which are, that was quite interesting. Um, and then, um, yeah, and I watched the Amity of the Horror special and John Wayne Gacy and uh, Killers in Wonderland, basically all these murders going on in this area in America. So yeah, I've been watching those and of course watching my trashy stuff as well. So that's about it really. And watch this teenage, teenage show about these drag queens who are aged between 10 and 13. So that was interesting. So besides that, no So, I guess for no further ado, we'll talk about Gone Girl the Novel, which is a 2012 crime thriller novel by American writer Gillian Flynn. It was pub published by Crown Publishing Group in June 2012. The novel is popular and made the New, Year's New York Times bestseller list. The sense of suspense in the novel comes from whether Nick Dunn is responsible for the disappearance of his wife, Amy. Critics in the United States positively received and reviewed the novel, noting the author's use of unreliable narration, plot twists, and suspense. The film would, the, sorry, the book would sell over 10 million copies. So what we're going to do is cut to synopsis of Gone Girl. We'll be right back.
is a synopsis for Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. Part 1 The narrative alternates between the point of view of Nick and Amy Dunn, nay, Elliot. Nick's narration begins shortly after arriving home on his fifth wedding anniversary to find Amy is missing from their home. There are signs of a struggle. Amy's narration comes in the form of her diaries and follows the earlier stages of their relationship. The diary entries describe Amy met Nick in New York City, where they both worked as writers. Nick was a journalist who wrote movie and TV reviews, while Amy wrote personality quizzes for women's magazines. After two years of dating, they married. The couple live in a beautiful brownstone home in Brooklyn where they were happy. In 2009, both Nick and Amy lost their jobs following the Great Recession. Amy's parents, Rand and Mary Beth, meanwhile had written a successful children's book series called Amazing Amy, based on Amy's life experiences. However, when sales from the books declined and Rand and Mary Beth didn't curb their spending, they also started facing financial issues. Their solution was to ask Amy for money from her trust fund, which made Nick unhappy. Eventually, Amy and Nick relocate to Nick's hometown in North Carthage, Missouri to care for Nick's sick mother, Maureen. With permission, Nick uses what remained of Amy's trust fund to open a bar with his twin sister, Margo, or Go. Nick also finds work teaching journalism at a local college. Their marriage deteriorates. Amy describes how she hates being a housewife in the suburbs and resents Nick for making her move. Her diary comes to portray Nick as an aggressive, moody, idle, and threatening husband, and indicates that she fears for her life. In Nick's narrative, he views Amy as a needlessly difficult, antisocial, controlling, perfectionist, and an unwelcome obligation. But he's concerned about her disappearance. Nick becomes a suspect in the investigation, led by detectives Rhonda Boney and Jim Gilpin, and Nick downplays their relationship issues. During the investigation, Nick faces intense media scrutiny, exacerbated by his lack of obvious emotions and apparent flippant attitude. It is also revealed by Amy's supposedly best friend from the neighborhood, Noelle Hawthorne, that Amy was pregnant, which Nick was unaware of. Nick has serious credit card debt, which he claims to have been unaware of, and Amy's life concerns was recently increased by Nick, which he claims was her idea. It becomes apparent to Nick that his wife has secrets from him. Part 2. Gone Girl It is revealed that Nick and Amy are unreliable narrators. Nick has admitted that he is cheating on his wife with Andy, his former college student, and intend to divorce with Amy. He hid from this investigators to avoid suspicion. Amy's narration shifts to the present day, revealing that she is alive and staged her own disappearance to go into hiding. After discovering Nick's affair, she becomes angry at his disregard for her and plans extensively for a year to fake her death and frame Nick as revenge for wasting her life. Nick becomes aware of Amy's plan based on vague clues that she has left under the guise of the traditional anniversary treasure hunt. He's led to Go's woodshed, where he discovers exuberant purchases that Amy made with credit cards in his name to further incriminate him. The shed also contains Amy's anniversary gift of Punch and Judy puppets, one missing handle, indicating that she expects Nick to receive the death penalty for her murder. Amy's plan to monitor an investigation through the news media is foiled when she is robbed at the motel where she is holed up. 
Desperate, she seeks help from her wealthy ex-boyfriend, Desi Collins, whom she has manipulated relationship with in her youth. Desi, still unarmored, hides her in his leg house but becomes possessive and controlling, making Amy feel trapped. Nick and his new lawyer, Tanner Bolt, work to change public perception of Nick through an interview with a popular talk show host, during which Nick pretends to be apologetic about his infidelity and failings as a husband. He is well received, but the police have discovered the woodshed, which has contained violent porn videos and Amy's fake diary chronicling the abuse from Nick. The police find the missing handle from the puppet, bearing Amy's blood. Nick is arrested. At Dizzy's house, Amy sees the TV interview and is impressed by Nick's performance of a perfect husband, and is convinced that the two of them uniquely understand and are matched to each other. She mutilates her own body so that it appears Desi has been holding her captive, then seduces him and murders him. Part 3, Gone Girl Amy returns to North Carthage, where Nick is recently out on bond. She fabricates a story for investigators that she was kidnapped from home and imprisoned by Desi before killing him to escape. Her diary entries were melodramatic and she is glad to be back with Nick. Nick, Detective Boney, and Go know she is lying, but have no proof. Nick is forced to return to married life with Amy as the media storm dies down. Amy begins writing her memoir of the fabricated events, and Nick privately begins writing an expose of Amy's deceptions. Amy uses Nick's semen, which they have saved at a fertility clinic, to inseminate herself and forces him to delete his book by threatening to keep him from their unborn child. Nick complies, dedicating himself to the rest of being a perfect husband. And that was the synopsis for Gone Girl by Julian Smith. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Literalization Podcast. We're discussing Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. And starting with you, Craig, what are your thoughts of Gone Girl, the novel? Um, I really loved the book. Um, it really flowed well. Very descriptive. Um, I don't know if it's because it's a modern book, but I found it really enjoyable to read it um, compared to, say, I don't know, uh, um, the the author of um, we've always whatever happened to baby whatever happened to baby Jane yeah I seem to, <laughs> I, I seem to gel better with the modern modern reads um, but really thoroughly enjoyed it. I couldn't put it down I mean um, and I and I and I remembered where I left off as well which was good um, you know um, the the only thing that got me was the girl the late the person called Go because I keep thinking automatically of the Monopoly game where you go when you go past go you collect 200 quid because I, <laughs> I kept thinking is it is it the the, the move the word go actually as in go and then I was you know it's a person's name but um 
no i really really enjoyed the book um and i recommend this author and i think she did Gillian. she did another book um dark uh something i can't remember but um that she's got a series of books so i'd recommend them because they're very good um What about yourself, Leandro? What are your thoughts of Gone Girl? Yes, uh, so Craig said, I, I like the way um, things are described. Um, interesting the idea of, uh, well, this is a writer writing a story of another writer. And I don't know, that, like the, the ideas, you know, like how they are um, expressed. And then while I was um, reading and then watching the movie, you know, all the thoughts that you start to think, okay, how, how this is connected, really, really well done. I mean, this is the first time I read uh, read Gillian Flynn. I'll probably read more of her books. So actually, I like the style of this. But I like the idea that basically is you got, it starts off with him from day one, and then you got her diary that's bringing you up to where they are, and it's, it's going back and forth, which is quite clever. Yeah. And then you get part two, where basically it's, you know, you find out that A, she's alive, she isn't dead, sort of thing. You find out how calculating she is. So while he's, and meanwhile, he's still going forward with his story. Meanwhile, she's catching up to his. And then and then you get part three, where just basically they're, they're together now, sort of thing. And then you find out how that's going to pan out. I like the segment um, as well, that how she segmented it. Uh, it was, it mm -hmm. was like, because you could then have, three or four stories or narratives in one going on and you could follow them. Uh, mm. I thought it was really well done, really well organized. And though it's told from two, two points of view, I thought it was very interesting that there is a third narrative that's going on in the, in the book itself and that's with the media and the way the media is playing up on everything and how that's turning everything around and how that has a play and, of everything. And I mean, I, I found what also is interesting is that um, to the, the writer's mind must have a really good way of pacing, first of all, the pacing is excellent. But another thing is that to be able to make that believable, to make her, make her feel like she's gone to all this stuff, to fake her d disappearance, who's going to eventually fake her death yeah. or go to her death. And then how she turns that all around and then what she, and then having the, you know, and then when she turns that around and then she basically, she, you know, she's in control of the narrative, but she actually stage manages everyone around her sort of thing, which is interesting. Cause I mean, she's psychopathic, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, when we get to the movie, uh, we'll get into a little bit more about, you know, the casting and stuff like this, but but it's quite funny because I, I saw the movie and it's one of those movies like what, you know, so I kind of watched it when it came out on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. And I remember like, oh, this is real. This is actually quite good. It wasn't what I expected it to be. And I thought to myself, God, what a bitch sort of thing. But now when I'm reading the book, it's like I the book was very, really well done because there's a lot of other stuff that's going on there. Like, you know the way that she manipulated people like when she was in school, like that girl, you know, and, you know, and then that guy that she, you know, said that raped her, even though he didn't. And the length she'd go through and and the parents and her being amazing Amy that you find out in the book. And I mean, that played up, you know, that, that was quite interesting. 
having your parents like rip off your life and hoping that you'd be this kind of person. So because you're not that kind of person, they develop a character that's basically the best bits of you without the worst bits of you. And then live off your childhood. I mean, that's that's sick also, you know. I mean, think about it. It's like she um screenplays as well, didn't she? She what? She studied screenplays. So she was um she wrote screenplays with um the guy Steve Cloves, who wrote for Harry Potter. Um, yeah, that yeah, because she wrote the screenplay for the film sort of thing. So reminds me of a bit like John Crichton because he would he would write so well and then he i know he did jurassic park but it's sort of on that same same level if you can do a good screenplay you Mm. you, you're gonna get you've got something pretty pretty golden you know well michael Crichton is quite interesting because he his first book was the andromeda strain um and then that was directed by robert wise who did the haunting and sound of music and west side story and then his second his second story that he wrote he actually directed which was westworld the right. uh, movie with Jill Brenner sort of thing. So so kind of like he kind of went out, he kind of came out of that whole thing jumping in and um, but he he was a scientist. That's the reason why if you look at all his books, whether it's Jurassic Park or Westworld or um Flight Plan or um all his other ones, there there's a lot of science in this stuff, and it's all very, very plausible and believable. Mm. So for Gillian Flynn, I think she started off as a journalist. So she was a journalist, so that's not, you know. But to be able to, I mean, to take a plot like this and then and to make it not so linear and to keep changing the timeline going back and forth, I thought was quite clever. Because well, I don't think this book would have been very successful if it was told straightly. Um, I never told you this, but you know, in, I think it was 2014. 13, I don't remember now. I did, um, it was a, let's call it a course for one day to teach you how to write script for movies. Mm -hmm. And they recommend a book that I have here called The Writer's Journey. Probably you know know it. And it was really interesting because it's different when you, a different, well, for what I learned from that, it's like different way of, of tell the story. Mm-hmm. Like when you read this book, it's like, is a like, <clears throat> sorry, really easy to grab this book and say, okay, make it in a movie in one way because it's like it's like written that way, like going back and forwards, explain you something and then carry on, rather than something you know the story goes from the beginning till the end and it's like in a line, but then when you mm-hmm. need to do it in a movie, it's hard to explain all those things, but in this way with that, for example, that diary that she was explaining you everything. The only thing you need to do is just as what happened in the movie, right? But really easy to explain the the thing from the, the passing one go. Mm. So yeah. Well, I mean, another thing is is that um books are literal, they're words and um and images that you can paint that people paint and every everyone's re- even though everyone may be reading the same book, they're actually have different ideas going around at the same time. Mm-hmm. Film is a bit. Uh, film is all visual and language, so mm-hmm. you know it's all about what they say and about what you're seeing, sort of thing. So it's a different medium, sort of thing. So, 
I mean, the adaptions that I've done, um, they're interesting because you do have to throw away a lot of stuff and then you have to composite characters if there's too many and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's an interesting aspect. It's, it's different than just writing a pure script off the top of your head sort of thing. But um, it tends to... It come, it, and I think that's the reason why when we when we get to the film, we'll discuss a little bit further, but sometimes you do get films that kind of fail, but the thing, the reason why the film might fail based on the book is because you have this idea who these characters are and everyone has their own idea of what these characters are. And then when they see it in the film, basically you're getting the director's interpretation of what these characters are and what, what the story yeah. is and so on and so forth. And the, the script writer of it, you know, if it's somebody from outside sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the um, ending of Gone Girl um, about those two sticking together? Do you think they deserve each other? It's like you can have your cake and eat it, literally. <laughs> and she's uh, stuck with well, her. Yeah. There was a really, well, for me, really interesting definition that both of them in the movie write about money is the same. Uh, like b- both didn't want to the didn't want to lose right because it was all about power and who for example who has the control over the other person and then she said well that would uh, then he said to to her look this is all about power and the only thing we are doing now is is hurting each other and then she said, well, that, that's what a good marriage is. <laughs> then I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> well, I th- I found what's interesting is that you have, what I found interesting about the book is that you have her loving him. She loves him. And she gets betrayed by him because she finds out that he's having the affair. And and then what, what you find out about him is that you don't know if he ever actually did love her because, and the only time... He seems to be annoyed by her and everything like this. And he does that in a prenup, but he gets really upset when her parents, the books are not selling as well for her parents. And so they need to borrow somebody off the trust fund, which leaves them quite, you know, oh, you know, not very good financially. And he seems to hold on to that a lot. You know, even though she bought him the bar and she bought, you know, bought him and his sister the bar. So that way, you know, he could do that and whatever. And then, um, but she seems to, but I, I mean, it's quite interesting because I kind of see why, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can endorse, you know, the way that she went about it, but I can understand why she felt that way. I mean, she gave up her life. She went from New York, from living in a really nice brownstone, having a lifestyle and everything like this, and then moving to Missouri without her even asking her to take care of his mother. And next thing he does that, oh my God, we're stuck here. I'm now stuck in this small town that's, and that's what I found interesting as well is Carthage, uh, Missouri is a dying town. It's like the mall's going out of business. Everyone's unemployed and you're like in the middle of this. And meanwhile, you're like living in this rich little neighborhood that's basically not a, not that rich really because it may have been a rich, you know, if that was a rich area and it was economically booming, then what you're looking at is these homes are probably like, you know, lots and lots of money, but they're living in a economically depressed town and living in a big house, which basically isn't that, you know, 
Where is that? Where is Missouri? Sorry. Missouri is down. It's in the Midwest. Um, it's down by Arizona, um, Arkansas. And it's if you look at Chicago, if you go down, goes Chicago, Ohio, the Missouri underneath okay. it. And then that leads to Oklahoma, Texas. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's nice. Um, you know, St. Louis, St. Louis is in Missouri with the arch. And um, the Mississippi River flows through there. So I think. So what do you think? Do they, they deserve each other or no? Um, the thing is, is because of the sick game that they play with each other is that, I mean, she's one, hasn't she? She, she? I mean, the thing is, is he can't never really leave her because he knows what the extent that she will go through. And all he has to do is do something wrong and that could be the end of his life because she gets away i mean she gets away with it doesn't she every single time she gets away with it she got away with um her teenage friend that basically told her like you know you can be a character in my book and we'll be 10 but we're these characters and then you know you don't show up for a play date one day and all of a sudden she turns against you and makes it look like you're stalking her and you're pretending to be like her even though she's asked you to do this so she's done that she's um you know the guy that she you know that she's engaged uh that she's going out with in high school i mean the one who tried to commit suicide and stuff like that i mean she orchestrated that as well she orchestrated his breakdown and everything like that then she orchestrated that rape again with the um the guy that basically because he he decided that you know he's dating her and then realized that oh, this is a bit too much work so it doesn't call her a couple times and next thing you know, he she fakes a rape with him. <laughs> so it's like ruins his life. <laughs> and then she does this to her husband. And it's like, and then we get, you know, and then we then she goes back to um the ex, you know, who wants in who's besotted by her and keeps writing her letters. And of course, she she rapes him. I mean, you know, literally gets you know, has sex with him, murders him, pretends that it's raped and he's kept her captive and gets away with it. You know, I mean, another interesting thing I thought as well with the book as well is the way that um, the way that you have the cops, the cops portrayed, you have the guy flicking like, oh, the man's guilty, the man's guilty. But then you got the female cop who's like, well, I'm not quite she's never quite sure until she has to be for her hand has to be forced into, um, you know, prosecuting him for because of the, the weapon being found with the blood on it. But um, and so that was quite interesting. And then, when, of course, when it all comes to light, the real story, and then she's like, "I can't do anything about it because now it looks like the police have messed up." So she's even orchestrated the simple fact that made the police look stupid, and the way that and she, and I thought it was quite interesting that she also was able. She kind of like set everything up, though. I mean, she's this woman is calculated. I mean, she's, you know, even the way that she calculated everything, you know, calculated the, him, the overspending of the credit cards, put the credit cards in his name a couple, three or four months earlier, you know, why don't we up my insurance and doing that sort of thing? Okay, now telling everyone that she has a fear of blood, that she doesn't like blood, and then even faking this, you know, when people are giving blood and like passing out and all this other stuff, and that's not a problem at all, and then being able to bleed herself to, to force mm -hmm. a crime. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know if I could think that far ahead. I mean, I feel like... Sharon Stone from Basic Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which we are covering Basic Instinct at the end of the month because this, uh, this is the month of... The, there's always a women month, so we're doing a lot of women's films this month's uh, thing, so... And... um, But yeah, I mean, to be that calculated, I have to sit there and say it's like... I mean... boyfriend, she had... She put... um wounds on her vagina for the um fake rape see rape fake rape so you don't know what she's capable of if she can go that far you know how far does the rabbit hole go you know? well, I well think people of a, a, anything anything that does she need to do to get what she wants um well the thing is i, I thought that was quite interesting because when she does that with des you know to to get back Go get back to the husband because she decides that she like you know that the husband that she's seeing on TV is the husband that she now wants you know she, she's no longer yeah. going to kill herself yeah but I thought that was quite interesting because what she did with Des she actually did earlier with that guy when she sit there and basically she pretended that you know because they she they did a rape kit when she went when she invited that guy over <laughs> so, so she must have done that same thing again violated herself with a wine bottle <coughs> you know. I mean, even to bleed herself. I mean, I mean, that's that's something. Mm. You know. Like, what I like is like it's, it's not like um, something like it was improvised. You know, it's like something like uh, she sat down and think. You know, let's say how to deal with this problem from all the different. Um, you know, like. Um, different ways, right? To cover it, like from different directions, so it's like perfect, right? And even when when something doesn't go as she has planned, it, she quickly comes with something else to flip it and then go bring it her way again. So, she did have a down. She did have a downfall, though, didn't she? Yeah. She wasn't very good with the common person. You know, like when she's when she's held up in that um, in that trailer park or that park that park site, and when she meets someone and they have to, and she has to go off script, and she's not able to control the narrative, and then basically they steal her money. Yeah, yeah. you know. Well, that's you I like. think that, that that was like let's say when when she the minute that she went like having fun for a second and forgot about having the control, boom, made a mistake. Well, I mean, even to do that fishing thing, I mean, what was that fishing thing about, you know, where she has to go sit in the water and it's like, he's shooting into the water, bringing the fish to the top. And then she's like in the, in the, in that pond and like bringing the pit. It's like, what the, I think to myself, like, why the hell are you doing this for? It's like, why are you hanging around these people? <laughs> but I also think is that I think she thought that she was probably smarter and better than they were because I mean she comes from money, doesn't she? And then it's like yeah. here you got these, you know, these poor people or the common people or you know, or the lower end of it. She probably thought that she could outsmart them, but in the end they outsmarted her. Yeah. Because in the book, I mean, it's quite interesting that, you know, the girl, the girl keeps looking at her. And it's like, you know, like kind of guessing like who she is sort of thing. and kind of knows to a certain extent, you know, I mean, she does get her own back by spitting in her drink because she says something, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Let, let me thinking. Maybe they, they in the end they realized because if uh, she was like they were look watching, you know, this girl was following the case. So mm -hmm. I wonder if maybe in a point, imagine that the, the beginning she wasn't sure, and then thought, well, maybe it is. And mm -hmm. as but the person can go to the police because technically is dead, right? You can do whatever you like. I thought, I, I mean, I, another thing I thought was quite interesting because, you know, doing the book side of it, because they go more into it, was that um, when they're watching the case and she's sitting, you know, with the girl next door and they're watching the case sort of thing. And I have to sit there and say that the girl next door is when I look at these things on television and I kind of, I kind of tend to view her as like, Oh, here we go. Look at all the high emotions, all these people coming out of the woodwork. Here we go. Giving their narrative of how they think things were. And I always kind of think that even like when I see like these true life crimes or unsolved mysteries and you got these people talking and you're kind of going, oh, okay. <laughs> sort of this, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you know, if you think that the person's missing, you know, unless they're going to say that, you know, this is real life and that person's missing and no one knows where this person is. And everyone having a view about like the husband and, you know, while how he smiles and how is he acting and, you know, everyone having an idea about, you know, you know, and automatically you think that if a wife disappears, everyone automatically thinks the husband, we think that automatically now, oh, the husband did it. Or the boyfriend did it, or or if the if the husband said, "Oh, the wife did it." Um, interestingly enough, I was watching. Uh, there's a show on um, Paramount Plus called All About Pam, and I read the book about the Betsy Ferreira case. And what's quite interesting about that is basically is that um, Betsy ends up dead, and her husband's three towns over playing Dungeons and Dragons with his stoner friends. And he comes home and he calls, he calls the police. And the first thing they do, police charge him. Even though um, her best friend, Pam, has driven her to the police station. I mean, has driven her home. Her best friend, Pam, um, five days earlier, changed her insurance policy, changed Betsy's insurance policy over to her name. So that way she can give the money to her kids, apparently. And so you're, you know, you're reading this and, and then, you know, or we're watching the film with the TV series of Renee Zellweger. And you just think to yourself, it's like, you know, and everyone's pointing to the husband and the husband gets put away for, you know, like seven years. And then it all comes about that it's this best friend who's done it all because she like killed, she threw her mother over a banister and had her mother like up her insurance and killed her mother. And it's like all these people are dying around her, but it's still the husband's fault. And the police don't know it's got to be the husband because police are just automatically going that way without actually looking at, everything around that situation so so i thought you know i thought for in the book they they kind of really caught that on in the way that you know um what about nick's affair or his 14 month affair with the college student well that's I not mean, the the thing you know it's like he have something like um the bag that they just both of them knew, and I think I didn't. I don't, I don't remember if, if he if he knew that she knew it, right? But he was he was kind of like thinking about getting the divorce. So 
See, I that's just where I thought this was a bit. This is a bit. Whenever a guy has an affair or whatever, and they're always going, oh, I'll leave my partner for you. I'll leave my partner for you. I mean, he had 14 months to get a divorce and leave his partner for her, and he doesn't. And she goes around telling you, Ryan, from um, unbeknownst neighbors. I mean, you know, I mean, what did he expect to happen, really? I mean, out of I mean, to be honest, out of all these characters in this in this book, I think the best characters probably go or Margot, his sister. She's the only one that's actually rational and actually That's who we can find. Well, she's also the decent one as well, isn't she? She's Mm -hmm. like she kind of sees everything. She's all knowing. She's all you know, and she's a twin sort of thing. And but um at the same time, she's totally different. She's she's dowdier than her brother um her failed relationships unlike her brother had difficulty getting in a relationship unlike her brother her brother seems to you know go from girlfriend to girlfriend it doesn't seem like he spent a lot of t- lonely nights on a weekend before he was married sort of thing so that was quite interesting a voice of reason mm. So, um, I guess we'll rate this out of five, starting with you, Leandro. How many stars would you rate Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn? Uh, five. And yourself, Craig? Um, yeah, five neighbors' urine tests out of five. <laughs> and I'm going to rate this a solid five. It's a very good book, and I actually really, really enjoyed it, and actually made me really... It really piqued my interest in the author as well. So I probably will be reading more of her if I can get time. Yeah. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at countrycold1 805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. Well, this brings us to Gone Girl, the film, which is a 2014 American psychological thriller film directed by David Fincher and written by Gillian Flynn based on the 2012 novel of the same name. Set in Missouri, the story is a postmodern mystery that follows the events surrounding Nick 
Dunn, played by Ben Affleck, who becomes the prime suspect in the sudden disappearance of his wife, Amy, played by Rosamund Pike. The film also stars Neil Patrick Harris and Ty Tyler Perry. Gone Girl premiered in the opening film at the 52nd New York Film Festival on September 26, 2014, and was theatrically released in the United States on October 3rd by 20th Century Fox. It was a critical and commercial success, grossing $369 million worldwide against a $61 million budget to become Fincher's highest grossing film. Pike's performance was widely acclaimed by critics, and she received nominations for Academy Awards, BAFTA Award, Golden Globe Award, and Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Actress. Additional nominations included Golden Globe Award for Best Director for Fincher and a Golden Globe Award, BAFTA, and Critics' Choice Award nomination for Flint's Adaptive Screenplay, which won at Critics' Choice. What we're going to do is we're going to go to the trailer of Gone Girl and be right back. Nick Dunn, you're probably the most hated man in America right now. Did you kill your wife, Nick? Everyone told us and told us marriage is hard work. Not for me and Nick. As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott Dunn, disappeared three days ago. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I have nothing to hide. Sammy got friends we can talk to? No, not really. You don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type. Just being a good guy, so everybody can see him being a good guy. Well, you really don't like him, do you? All I'm trying to do is be nice to the people who are volunteering to help find Amy. I will practice believing my husband loves me, but I could be wrong. You ever seen that guy in the glasses before? Amy is the kind of girl who attracts admirers. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. You want to solve Amy's treasure hunt? You seen this girl around here? Yeah, I remember her. I know you. I saw you at the volunteer center. I wanted to help. What'd she want? She wanted a gun. We are all scared, but we are all here now. I feel like something to be jettisoned if necessary. I feel like I could disappear. The hallmark of a sociopath is a lack of empathy. Amy lost a lot of blood in there. Then somebody mopped it up. Why do they mop up the blood if they're trying to stage a crime scene? Whatever they found, I think it's safe to assume that it's very bad. I'd finally realized I am frightened of my own husband. I would draw you as if you're doing a deposition. What to say, what not to say. A trained monkey? A trained monkey who doesn't get lethal injections. She's going to eat you alive. You assaulted her? It's not good enough for you? I hit her? It's not even close. Absolutely not. I never touched her. We now believe Nick is involved in the disappearance of our daughter. Without a body, without a murder weapon, their only hope is a confession. You don't know anything yet? You need to tell me. How was your marriage, Nick? Are you asking me if I killed my wife? Man of my dreams. This man of mine may kill me. What about my son, Nick? This man may kill me. In her own words, this man may truly kill me. You ever hear the expression, the simplest answer is often the correct one? Actually, I've never found that to be true. Hello, welcome back to the Literal Lessons Podcast. We're discussing Gone Girl, by, directed by David Fincher, the film. And starting with you, Leandro, what are your thoughts of the film, Gone Girl? Um, well, uh, amazing, <laughs> in one word. Um, <clears throat> I saw this movie uh, years and years ago when I um, have an accident. I have to stay in bed. I couldn't stand up. And a friend said, okay, I will pass you 
buy a, a terabyte, you know, memory, expanded memory, and then he said, I will pass you movies. And I was watching, and I remember when I watched his movies, I was like, wow, this is a masterpiece. And as I said before, it's like, for me, really interesting is like how um, everything was planned like, like detail, like detail by detail. And the way she describes uh, him, the way they, the little, uh, well, my aunt has told me that I always pay attention to small details in things. You know, for example, like, and I think this was one of the, the, the parts that was like uh, important. When she discovered that he was cheating on, uh, with that girl and he did the same trick on the lips, you know, that, that, that he has done uh, to her. And, and then she was like, really really angry like kind of realizing that it was like um like a repetition thing that he was doing you know all the time that he yeah, he has that, a that, he has a stick doesn't he he has a uh a routine when he's yes picking up women and when he's dating them in the beginning and another thing that was for me was really really cool to explain fast but give you a lot of an, an idea of how she was is like when she was when they, they that part of the movie they go backwards right and then when they would start to go go out each other and then they were walking to a presentation of a book and then they were all like posters right and they would say amazing amy now has a dog and she said well in real life my parents never let me to have a dog and all like that every everything that they were seeing in front of them was totally opposite of how she she was in real life, which is what you said. And for me, that was really, really clever because the parents, since, since she was like a, a little girl, the parents put it like in a pedestal, like she was the best. And she wasn't the best. But, mm. and I think that all that uh, popularity gave her another, another big weapon to use. You know, like no one, for example, between me and someone that is really famous, probably people will believe the famous person rather than someone, the opinion of someone that nobody knows, right? So she was using not that to play the big team, but at the same time, not being a big team at all. And yeah, I really, really, really like it when she was telling us, right? How she planned it and said like, Check the the name, the city neighbor that it was pregnant. That everyone uh, and hitting one thing after another and writing and plan it all like it's like a it's like a perfect plan. Um, yeah, really. I mean the the diary in itself, just to write that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> go back and just like write every day is like and yeah. take your you know start off with truth and then you have to start to deteriorate your relationship in this diary to a point where it's like you're in fear of your life sort of and even 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 incinerated and with the, the perfect temperature so he's burned around the side and look yeah. like someone has, has tried to destroy it, but couldn't so you have to be i don't know i think a mastermind to think like that a sociopath as well psychopath yes but i don't know i mean i would say that he is a sociopath because he used all that i don't know if you remember in one part of the movie she said oh come on give me that 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 cheeky smile and he did the smile like halfway smile like and, and mm. she said 
boom, you did it. Like Someone, she knew she, she, he was going to do that. When he was sleeping and, with the teenage girl, that's another clear sign, isn't it, of sociopathic, where it's almost like, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong in the middle of when someone's gone missing or, you know, he was just entitled and... Yeah. Well, yeah, and also like think, being with someone that is really young compared to him, that he can manipulate faster, right? From the from the moment like to like uh, I don't know how to say this to conquer her, like to to flirt, and then then to the point of saying, oh no no, we can't see each other now. And then she said in the movie, oh, I have been waiting for I don't know for two months now. I wanted to see you, and he indicating her from where she should be entering the house, which is the back door, right? Not the, the, the main door, even though they're not in, the, in, in his house. So I, if I have to say, like, I think they're the perfect match <laughs> because both are sociopath. But if, if, I think if I have to describe who is more sociopath, I would say it's him. She is different. She's like psycho. More- more twisted than being a sociopath. I don't know the name. I'm not a psychologist to describe like that characteristic. She she is also a sociopath, but I would say like in a different level. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think she's like more like more dense than him. He thinks that that because I don't know. You remember when, like at the the end of the movie when he grabbed her and, and hit her head to the wall. Like he was more violent, whereas she was the same as violent, but more more clever, like in, in a different way. Well, I think the thing I think the thing about him is that he thinks he's quite individual and he thinks that he's so unpredictable. And and then of course he's also fighting, not trying to be like his father and everything like this. So but come to find out, he's actually more he's actually very predictable. Everything he does is exactly, you know, you can, you know, where he thinks he's like, you know. You know this unpredictable doing things off the cuff and all this other stuff couldn't have find out he's not at all he's just everything's very it's everything's not- very the same and i i do think that basically you know with the college student is that yeah he plays all these games but as soon as that college girl gets to know him she's gonna he's gonna dump her and look for someone new so he can play the whole game over again because once you become he's not very good at being mundane and just being ordinary it's like, he doesn't, I hate you. Yeah, he tries everything in his power not to be ordinary, but in fact, he's just nothing but ordinary. He's just good looking, good looking ordinary. Yeah. Well, there was one part, I don't know if you remember, that they were chatting when they met and said that they didn't want to become like kind of those type of, of a marriage couple that really like, um, they describe it. I don't remember how they say, but it's like kind of like, not falling in being the like the normal the normal couple, and then they ended being something worse than the normal couple. <laughs> when she maxed out the card and put the gifts in the shed as well. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think the interesting thing is is that you know she says that that you know that, oh we don't want to be a normal couple and he agrees with it, but when they're in New York, you know, and you know, and then she's waiting for him to show up and he doesn't show up, a couple times. You know, and you got, you know, you have, you have that going on in the book. They don't, they kind of hinted a little bit in the, in the film a bit, but they didn't really go too far into it. But, um, but I mean, there's all that going on. A simple fact that basically is like, 
oh, you know, I don't want to be one of those nagging wives sort of thing. So he plays on that. So therefore he knows that, okay, she's not going to nag me, so I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Even though he's agreed to be somewhere at a certain time. So... And then, then she mentioned that she she felt that she ended turning into like an, an object in the house. Like, is what you're saying. When, when she was in New York, probably she was more like famous where she could do more things. Rather, when they went back to where they used, where, where they living like now, let's say, um, she was in the house. There was nothing for her to do. There was, she didn't have any friends or anything where to go out. And it was like some, they're just staying in the house. Where he he was have like going out and there was I remember there was one part that, that it seemed that he was going out every night and then she said well what can I go with you and then he said no no you will get really really bored you wouldn't like to come in and then that that's really suspicious you know I mean I think another interesting aspect of this as well is the simple fact that you know she's living in Missouri sort of thing. And this is what I thought the film was very, very good at. Because everyone in the film is quite normal looking. You got Margot that's quite looking at it. The police are quite normal looking at it. Um, the next door neighbor is quite normal. Everyone's quite normal. And then you have the husband who's looks like he could be from there, but you know, but a good looking, but kind of like the good looking guy in the in the neighborhood, which is Ben Affleck in this case. And then Rosamund Pike, who looks out of place but very attractive. So you have this like very attractive couple. And then when this tragedy happens, they are like the best thing for television, isn't it? It's a bit like, you know, mm. you don't, you know, if something happens and two ugly people and one ugly person goes missing and the husband's ugly, let's say the wife's ugly and the husband's ugly, you don't really get news coverage of those people. It's like, dude, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make good TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like the, perf the perfect media founder that... Yes. Yeah, and he, he was he was really angry because in reality he knew that she wasn't dead. She 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 had put him in a lot of trouble. Probably she was going around, and then he had to go in front of the camera and said, "Ah, oh, yes, Amy, we are looking for you. Please come back home." Blah blah blah. And then um, you know when he when he go and talks with the journalist and they say everything was a success. It was perfect. With, uh, like, and then he said like media was making from people like hate him to love him in one second like and i think they were like perfect each other you know when they were like they said like now give me a kiss and, was like, and even the kiss was fake <laughs> so i don't know i think it's like they were the perfect each other and until the point that she put kind of she took the perfect revenge to put him in a cage where now he can escape because whatever, whatever silly, stupid thing that he made wrong, she will burn him in, in the media. Because even she wrote a book about how how someone, uh, you know, the, the, the ex grabbed her and kidnapped her and, and was with all the cameras and all that. So it's like people have been believing her since she was, a, let's say, a, a kid. When, every, when everything that she was showing was the opposite that was in real life. Well, she's amazing, Amy, isn't she? She is a, um, she is a, she is the real life version of a fictionalized character that basically is like, you know, I guess it'd be like um, Matilda, you know, yeah. if you had a series of Matilda's books and then they're built based on Roald Dahl's daughter, Matilda, 
then I guess everyone expect would suspect Matilda, the real person, to be like Matilda, the children's book version of Matilda, sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, but but it's, it's completely opposite because it's amazing. It's amazing. Amy would be the books. The real life version would be psychopathic Amy, wouldn't it? So it's kind of like. <laughs> so Do you recall that 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 thing of having her like? Like amazing, Amy create like a split personality. I don't think she has split personality. I think basically what you have um, is that basically she's. Pro it seems like she's highly ignored, and it almost seems like her parents are not. Her parents are not giving her the love or being apparent to her. They're kind of like observing her for book ideas. So, and to be honest, is like. Um, and in the in the book in the in the book and the movie, her parents are kind of an odd thing because I don't know if they're upset that she's missing and they're upset that basically their meal ticket might be gone. Mm. You know, it's a bit like Macaulay Culkin's parents. You know, when he was younger, it's like, are they upset that you know he's divorcing them, or are they upset because their meal ticket's gone that he's not going to be supporting them anymore? You know, so there's that kind of an off thing about with the parents sort of thing. The parents are kind of odd. It's not a normal upbringing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is, and I kind of wondered that her parents go along with whatever, you know, you know, the bullying that she was doing to people in school and what she was doing, you know, all through her life. Were her parents going along with it because it was just easier because, you know, in their mind, their daughter is amazing Amy, even though that's not the reality of the situation, but in their mind, this is how they see her. She amazing Amy can do no wrong. Amazing Amy is fantastic. Amazing Amy is perfect. And that if you start to assimilating that to your child, and that's how you look at your child, you're not going to see your child in a realistic light. And I think that's that's how they looked at her. Um but, so she was I mean, an amazing criminal. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I have to say, I love, you know, Connie Coon, who plays Margot in this or Go in this. She was fantastic. I mean, yeah. everything about her was brilliant. So I thought, you know, she almost steals, she almost steals the movie away from Ben Netflix and Rosamund Pike for me. So, and then I realized I've seen her in like quite a few other things as well. I didn't realize it was her. So. I like the police um, involvement. Involvement. Yeah. Um, when they were, when they were first on the scene, and they were just picking out from from their knowledge. As you were putting the posters, blood spots and that, without even saying yeah. a little post-it notes. So it was it was really cute yeah. scene, um, and it was like good good cop versus bad cop, but. It was written like a Poirot. I mean, it could have been an Agatha Christie or a Columbo episode, you know, where it was so intricately written and with, with the plot um, for the final reveal. It was really, really clever. Yeah, or when she when she said this this uh, breaking of the table was fake, and then she said something like, and then he said, what do you mean? And she jumped it, and when she jumped, the picture on the on the shelf went down. So we'll see. So someone put that back. <laughs> I liked it when they turned up at the house, the brown house, and then he'd already been in to take clue three away, but they were there. Yeah. But they knew something was up. Something was not right. Um, 
and I was kind of glad when they found the diary. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. I thought it was, and I thought the film was, I mean, I have to say this was a strong adaption from book to screen that went very, that did very, that went very, very well. The book gave you a little bit more detail, which I quite liked, and it made the book interesting because I've seen the, I saw the film um, when it came out, you know, about six months after it came out. And to be honest, what I, I thought this was going to be, because this movie came out along the same time as Gone Baby Gone and other things like that. So I didn't, I, I kind of stayed away from this movie a little bit when it first came out because I thought so it was going to be a one of those crime, true life crime thriller sort of thing. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is. I wasn't expecting that. It kind of like keeps you on your edge. They're like, whoa. I mean, what? And you're thinking, what a bitch. That's sort of thing. You're watching it going, oh, sort of thing. And you're kind of cheering it on. Yeah. And then I, and then, then reading the book, I thought to myself, is like, the book fills things out as well. But yet it's such a, a clever adaption. So, well, they kind of feed off each other, which is quite nice. Fincher, you know, with working on the film, he really liked the book as well. And it shows. I can, yeah, I mean, David Fincher is a a brilliant director. I mean, you know, so the Social Network, Alien Three is his first film. Um, but I mean, I've I've seen David Fincher, the the girl with the dragon tattoo, and I mean, so far everything I've seen him do do has been excellent. So he's and Neil Patrick Harris's character. Yeah, you do feel sorry for him, but. Um, <laughs> he's kind of, the thing about um, he, he kind of, the only I had a problem with Neil Patrick Harris a little in a little bit in this movie. First of all, when I'm watching him, he pops up, kind of took me out of the movie a little bit because he's kind of he's, he's become like king of the gays, isn't he? He's like so gay now, you know, because of you know everything he does. So it's kind of hard to. He's going to be the a, celestial toy maker in the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Oh. Well, I mean, another problem with him is not just. It's another thing is that it's his character and how I met your how I met your mother, and basically all we get is like how I met your mother, Neil Patrick Harris, in this movie sort of thing. You know what I mean? There's something just really cringeworthy and just crawly about him. It's just like nothing. And you just think to yourself, like, why did she even date him to begin with anyway? I mean, he's like he's a horrible person. You know, he's like touching her and feel. I mean, and the book. I mean, the book was quite interesting because basically, he's his close relationship is with his mother, isn't it? <laughs> so it's like, which is not in the movie. But then it's like, but he likes saving girls, and he's okay as long as he can save them, and they depend on him. But when they don't depend on him anymore, he can't deal with it. He just needs them to like look at him as the savior all the time. Well, but it was. It was it when he said, look, look I, I'm, I'm going to take you to this house where it's in the middle of nowhere and the cameras, the, the house is full of cameras everywhere. So that's really sick because for me, it's like he's, he he's con can control her wherever she's at the house. He can watch her every single movement, yeah. study her. Yeah, I mean, in, look a way, in a way, that what then was she, she ended doing with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck can't go anywhere because she, whatever he was trying to do, she will always be one step forward. I mean, the thing about Des is also is just that, you know, oh, you know, we dye your hair back to the way it is. Oh, we need to do this for you. Oh, you need to dress this way. Da, da, da. So he's like so controlling. Yes. 
Mm. You know, and you think to yourself, like, well, if you're in love with this woman, obviously you don't know nothing about it. Because the worst thing you can do is try to control her. <laughs> you don't want to just control her because that's not going to happen. Well, what he mm. what, what he was saying is like, you don't need to worry about anything. So in in that way, like sounds like for someone from outside, oh, look, he's really loving. He's not even let you worry about, oh no, what are you going to wear? But on the the other side of the same thing is like, no, he's really so control con control over that not even let you choose what you what you're going to wear. I mean, the thing is, is that if you are a thinking person and you basically your brain has to work and uh you know capacity and you're not good at just sitting still that's probably the worst nightmare ever oh you don't have to worry about a thing you don't have to think about anything so basically i just need you to sit there like a doll and let me yeah, do everything coffee. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The, budget so was, like... the budget was 61 million but worldwide it made 369.3 million pounds dollars wow pounds dollars sorry well mm -hmm. wow I mean, I could see why. I mean, I have to then say, I've seen this film like five or six times now. I watched it this morning again um, for the show. Uh, every time I see it, I love it. Rosalind Pike is brilliant. Pike got Best Actress for the BAFTAs, the, the 87th Academy Awards. What's the name of Amy in real life? Rosalind Pike, that's her name. That's her name? Yeah, that's her real name. I'm and she's... She's How fantastic. Sorry? Well, she's Rosalind Pike's um, done quite a few things since this time sort of thing, but she's, she did a lot of BBC shows and stuff like okay. this before this. Is she English? Yeah, she's English. I noticed Reese Witherspoon produced it. Really? Wow. Reese Witherspoon was eventually going to play the part of Amy, which I'm glad that she didn't. <laughs> Why? Because I don't, I don't think that I don't think you'd have the same kind of movie. I like Reese Witherspoon. There's nothing against Reese Witherspoon as an actress or anything like that. But I don't think, I think that Rosamund Pike was the perfect choice. I can't see anyone doing this role besides her, the woman that they cast. I think she's got the pathos. She's pretty, but she's not overly pretty. She's interesting looking, but yet there's something going on behind the eyes with her that you just kind of like. So you can, so you actually believe what she's doing, and you can actually believe that, she, you know, that she's calculating. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I quite like. You know, that's what I quite like about her. And, you know, I think she, and I, I think that's what makes her, you know, better than Reese Witherspoon. I think Reese Witherspoon just comes with those. You know, I would think Reese Witherspoon, Cruel Intentions, Reese Witherspoon, or Legally Blonde, or into the wild or you know she's a good actress i enjoy her movies but she does have that kind of this quirky kind of way of acting mm -hmm. i don't know i've seen a movie that really really was really interesting with uh reese weatherspoon that i don't know i can't remember the name i don't know if it's into the world it was a movie um based on a real story that in a town really small town in usa where uh the son disappeared. No one could find the son, and, and she was a mother, like trying to find that son. Um, mm -hmm. Something about the evil. 
but really, really, really interesting movie. Really good. And, and she, you know, like after seeing him like legally blonde, you will expect, okay, let's see how it was good. No, really, really good. Well, I mean, she, she's done kind of like bitchy roles as well. I mean, she did election, which is quite interesting. You know, uh, the man in the moon, she's quite good. She played and she's played June Carter and, you know, walk the line, you know, John, Johnny Cash's wife and that. I mean, she's a good actress, <clears throat> but I just think Rosalind. I think I think Rosalind Pike playing the role. I think she just. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't. I can't think of anyone. I mean, this movie I think is cast perfectly, really. And even even as you said, she had that that face. Sorry about. Sorry if she she won. <laughs> if she ever listened, this <laughs> like. You know that some people have that face of like crazy. There is something that is hiding. Oh, eyes. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. My mom kept saying there's something wrong with this like this girl. When we were watching <laughs> it. Mm. Something wrong with her. <laughs> well, the funny thing about it is this is what this is what's quite clever about the movie as well. Because it opens up with Ben Affleck talking, and you see the back of her head, and he's you know, he's petting her hair or whatever and, he, and then he says all i want to do is bash your head in and then of course the movie takes off from there and you're like <laughs> and then of course and then at the end of the movie we get we get that scene again but this time she turns around and looks up at him and she just smiles <laughs> like that i got you kind of look so it's, it's quite interesting that you know you got this thing going on in the movie where you got him basically knowing that you know, I mean, I think Tyler Perry's character or the or the the lawyer in this said it quite, you know, perfectly. But, you know, as he's leaving, he says, it's, you know, they should put you on a reality TV show. It looks like the Real Housewives program. <laughs> That's kind of just, I mean, and I thought to myself, like, if those two, if these two were real and they would put them on a reality program, I would watch these two. Just to watch them try to screw each other over all the time. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, I like when the lawyer said like you two are the uh, are fuck, a fucked up a uh, couple, and I specialize in fucked up couples. But you're like, oh well, <laughs> I was really they, they really are actually. And the thing is, is but you know the funny thing is, I also think that you know Nick kind of I think he kind of gets off on it by the end by the end of it. I think he kind of got off of it. It's like this. The, yeah, I think they like the game between them. Because it seemed to spark something back with him, didn't it? I mean, after he sit there and, you know, he lost with the tail between his legs and he had to admit to, you know, you know, they had to do a trade-off. It's like, okay, well, you be the perfect husband. We need to be perfectly together now that we're about together. But you need to sit there and say that you hit me and about the child, you know, and, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to agree to this because I'm not, you know, and about the, the credit card bill, you know, you, you know, you have to admit that you did this. And they will prove, prove to be this happy couple. What I didn't, what I didn't get in the end is like, she she was going to she said, look, there is a present there for you, and then he said, no, I don't want any present from you. The, sorry, then she said, open it, and it was like saying that like she was pregnant, and then he said, no, I want you to prove me that you're pregnant because you can't be pregnant. So I didn't get that. In the end, she she is pregnant or not? No, she is pregnant. What happened was um, the book was a bit more clear on this, but um, what she did basically, but they did mention it in the film a little bit that um, 
he threw he threw away a letter. Um, what he did was he they went to a fer, fer, fertility clinic. And she used that. And and they, and they told him that basically that um, that he didn't collect his sperm, that basically they're going to throw it away. And he threw the letter up, and she picked the letter up out of the garbage. And you know he says this to the police. Um, he says this to the sister when she said that this you know this book is like you know a reason that you killed her, sort of thing. So and then when so what he what she did basically is she she picked up the sperm and she artificially inseminated herself. With the and, obviously, and obviously, <laughs> she, obviously, obviously, she'd done it when she just got home from being raped, sort of thing. So, and that's why she goes. She goes. You know. You know. You know. I want a DNA test and stuff like this, leading you to believe that obviously they've gone for a DNA test because when he fought, when he's his sister's crying on the floor and he's telling her, and he goes, he goes, you know, if if I don't do this, she's taking away my child. I'll never have access to my child. So obviously it's been confirmed that that is his child because yeah. yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you can do um, DNA tests, you know, on babies now before they're born now. So, so I'm assuming that probably all went through. Hmm. Oh. But yeah, I mean, she's going to hold the cards all the way through, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I would like to, to tell you a little story that it was, it was true, true story. Uh, happened in Argentina, in the, one of the provinces. One lady, well, it's, I don't want to make it long. She killed someone, right? And she she has worked as a in a butcher company, so she knew how to cut, you know, the cuts of meat from the cow. So basically, she killed this this man that was harassing her, but she and she have a like a little restaurant. So she started to make pasties with his meat. Mm. Uh, and food and everything and she got discovered like months later because she couldn't get rid of the ribs because she said that you can do anything with the ribs or the, the head the, the, the skull but all the rest of the body <laughs> was eaten by the, the town <laughs> in the end she she was caught but there's another story about Roald Dahl that, that you mentioned it before called the leg of lamb that is amazing. It's uh, something about like that, and it's really, really cool story. Well, women can be cal calculating anyway. Um, if you look at some, some of the masterminds, um, Netflix, Unsolved Mysteries, one of the episodes is called Body in a Bag. And police, basically police have um, found this torso and this wrapped up tent sort of thing. Mm. And then... Um, over the course of weeks and stuff like this, I start finding, you know, you know, some arms in a Gucci bag and stuff like this. <laughs> and then it later transpires that basically um, he had a teenage son and the teenage son goes, his father wasn't showing up and he called his father and father saying sick. And the family noticed that the texting was, was quite, not the same kind of texting rhythm that he normally has. So when the son showed up, it's like there's not supposed to be any home and the girlfriend's running inside the house. And then he gets inside the house because I come to pick up my bags. I'm going to my mom's sort of thing. And he, and he goes, can I see dad? Oh, no, your dad's gone out. He's you know sick. And it's like, well, you just text me that he's, that he's sick sort of thing. But that, okay, fine. And he knows the bedroom door was shut. Come to find out this girlfriend basically killed him and then took a kitchen knife and just 
cut him up with a kitchen knife. Not talk, not talking saws. We're not talking anything. We're talking like regular kitchen knives. And then basically went and bought a bunch of bags and dropped them off. And um, because they didn't have all the body when they questioned her, they couldn't charge her. But by the time they got, they found all the body and they found his head and everything like that. So they were able to make a popular identification. She's left town, so she's running around somewhere in America. This woman, and all, and all, be, all because the guy dumped her. He didn't want to be with her anymore. So it's like, oh god. <laughs> but but even if you... in this movie, you know, like he wanted to leave her, and he was about to, and then she said, "Okay, look, take a week, a weekend off, think, go and think about it." And then in the meantime, she planned all these things and she did it with like with nobody being in the house. By the time he came back, boom, she has gone. Well, there's this a classic case of Bressy De Decker um, in America. And basically what she do is she get married to a guy and uh, and she had children with him. And then she murdered the guy who would die all of a sudden. And then, um, so she get the will and everything like this. And she get all the money, and then, and then what she do is she kill off her kill off her children one by one, and then go start over with another guy. And if he had children beforehand, they would die, you know. And she wow. did this like nine times. Married, had children, killed her children, ki killed the guy, and moved on. And if they had children beforehand, she would murder them after she murdered them. But she, you know, and but she got away with it. She kept moving from town to town doing this. Very calculated way of doing yeah. things. It's like, okay. So, yeah. So, and if you ever watch those programs like on the crime channel about women who kill, and you're like, I mean, it's like, they're quite scary, really. Like, I mean, women are quite, can be, you know, they're quite determined. So there are some women out there who are quite determined to get what they want. You know, what about that group of girls? I mean, there's that group of girls in America that basically um, they didn't like this one girl. And this one girl was trying really, really hard to be with them. And they were really annoyed by her trying to be with them. So they invited her over for sleepovers. They picked her up in the car, took her out in the middle of the woods, beat her up, set her on fire. She's still alive. They decided to stamp on her. And then they and then they went back all because they didn't like it because she you know, they were just bullying her, and you're like, okay, and these are like um, you know girls between the ages of sixteen to eight, sixteen to seventeen year olds. You know, it's like Mean Girls, really bad, <laughs> like that version of Mean Girls. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts overall, Craig? Uh, Gone Girl. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed it, and um, it was nice um, to see a psychopathic female um, just really own it and manipulate the whole season of events. And um, it was an interesting play on um, a couple with their with their own agendas and psychological damage. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I love the, the the role of the police in this one. Um, that they were on the trail, and it was an uncovering of. It, it was like a treasure hunt. The whole thing was set up as a treasure hunt. The whole concept of whatever she set out to do was was a game, and we played 
we were put we were pulled in at the first uh first event first as soon as the story starts and you're just lured in and and you're just playing this game and then at the end you're just left thinking it's not finished <laughs> you know <laughs> it's got to continue we need an ending and we need we need to what's going to happen next you know is she going to go on and kill again and probably will so hopefully there'll be a sequel <laughs> gone girl too <laughs> motherhood <laughs> parenthood now with so the, the sound trying to escape <laughs> can you imagine that So I guess from a scale of one to five, um, starting with you, Leandro, what do you rate this movie? Six. <laughs> <laughs> no, five. I think it's um, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's like it's you know it's like a mastermind plan, you know, like um, the way the way when she was explaining, you know, step by step, what she wanted to do, certain thing, when, how. Uh, that was really, really like the clever the way it was shown in the movie. So yeah, five. What about yourself, Craig? I'll give it a seven. And um, I think she should meet um, American Psycho, <laughs> and they yeah. should do like a weekend away together. Um, little short story. Let's see what they get up to. And they meet Harley Quinn on, along the way as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to give this a solid five, actually. I've seen this film multiple times. I will watch it multiple times in the future. The book, I, it's estimated, I mean, I thought it was brilliant as well. So I thought it was a great reputation, representation of both. But yeah, I, lo- I like this film a lot. It's, it's one of those films I didn't think I'd like it when I heard about it. But once I watched it, I just you can't forget it. And you can always watch it over and over again. That's what I like I, about it. I got it in CX for one pound. That's how easy accessible it, can, it is. If anyone's out there, and you're, you're intrigued and you want to watch this movie, go to CAX. It's one pound. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm, 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 you can watch it multiple times, so I give it highly rated. Well, this brings us to the end of Literary License Podcast. Next month, we'll be covering We Always Live in the Castle by Shirley Jackson and We Always Live in the Castle, the film with the same name, which will be starring Crispin Glover and Tama Fermaga from the TV series American Horror Story. Um, Shirley Jackson, of course, has also written The Haunting of Hill House, which also became The Haunting and The Lottery. And of course, next week, we'll be covering Batman with our animated series. We'll be covering the four episodes, Be a Clown, um, Two-Face, part one and part two, and there's nothing to lose. And then, of course, we'll be continuing our Doctor Who retrospective with Daleks, part two. We'll be covering the last three episodes of the Daleks storyline. And our make-remake will be covering the 1939 classic, The Women, which is a movie with nothing star but women. Even the animals are female. Directed by George Cooker and um, starring Rosalind Russell, Joan Crawford, and Norman Shearer. And we'll be doing the remake, which is The Opposite Sex, starring Joan Collins and Alice and Alice and Jenny. And that's from 1956. And, and of course, we were then doing our M&M, our Monsters and Mad Men, 
two for one, which will be doing Double Indemnity from 1949 and Basic Instinct from 2002. So it's good night for myself and good night, Craig. Good night, guys. Good night, Leandro. Good night, everyone. And we see you next week for Batman the Animated Series. today you're so good to me i know but i can't change tried to tell you but you look at me like maybe i'm an angel underneath innocent and sweet yesterday i cried you must have been relieved to see the softer side can understand how you'd be so confused I don't envy you I'm a little bit of everything I'll roll into one I'm a bitch I'm a lover I'm a child I'm a mother I'm a sinner I'm a saint I do not feel ashamed I'm your hell I'm your dream I'm nothing in between You know you wouldn't want it any other way Take me as I am This may mean you'll have to be a stronger man Rest assured that when I start to make you nervous And I'm going to extremes Tomorrow I will change And today won't mean a thing I'm up